Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Baria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Baria. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our very special co-host, Dr. Audrey Baria, and we're going to be joined in just a moment or so uh, with Dr. Cynthia Ayala. We'll be talking about uh, how to understand what cognitive disorders are, how to understand uh, what dementia is all about, uh, ways in which patients and their families can get a better handle on what's going on and how you go about figuring all of that out. For those of you who've just joined us and haven't heard her before, Dr. Baria, our co-host, has been part of the WellMed family for nearly six years. She's currently a primary care physician at WellMed at Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. She got involved in medicine uh, through family and decided, man, that's what I want to do. She went to Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned her medical degree, completed her residency in an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. Dr. Baria is board certified in family medicine, which uh, she will clearly tell you she loves. And Dr. Baria, once again, great to have you on Two Docs in a Pod. Thank you, Ron. It's great to be here. When we talk about and think about dementia, when uh, you meet with patients who may say, you know, I'm not remembering things as well as I used to, or, or people tell me I'm not the same person. What does that trigger in your mind? You know what that triggers? It's that are the patients getting more forgetful? Are they noticing it? A lot of times, other people that they're around notice it before the patient actually does. And then it gets to the point where the patient starts realizing, hey, I can't remember where I put my keys. And then they find the keys in the freezer. And it's just like, okay, what, what's going on here? And that's when they start questioning it and bringing it to me. Well, we're going to pick up that topic mm-hmm. with our special guest, Dr. Cynthia Ayala. Uh, she's a physician at WellMed's Network of Texas in Houston, Texas, earned a medical degree from Albert Einstein College of Medicine at Yeshiva University in New York, completed her residency at a family practice medicine in McAllen, Texas. Dr. Ayala's specialty is family medicine, and she has worked mostly in geriatric medicine and home call medicine the last nine years. And she grew up in the Bronx, as uh, I recall our conversation. And Dr. Ayala, thanks for joining us on Two Docs in a, in a Pod. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for inviting me. Well, we appreciate your and interest. We- and I guess the easiest way to begin our conversation as we talk about uh, dementia is to get a handle on, first of all, what are we talking about? So we're talking about decline in our cognition, you know, and that comes in so many different levels. Like you said, uh, you know, what is your what is your decline? And it's a topic that I like to talk about because it's so prevalent. Um, I've been doing um, mostly home medicine. So most of my patients are are older um, and they've declined quite a bit. And I'd have to say the majority of them have some form of either mild cognitive dysfunction or dementia. But what I find really interesting is when a patient has moderate to severe dementia, that's, that's pretty easy to diagnose. You 
see it, right? It, it's pretty obvious in the way the behavior is and the way that the family um, tells you their behavior is. But more importantly are those patients that have what they call mild cognitive impairment. So it's not quite, you know, you, normal aging. In normal aging, you have progressive loss, you know, uh, have more memory loss. That's normal, right? Um, the memory typically will remain as we age. We still remember stuff, right? It gets a little harder, um, but it shouldn't affect how we live our daily lives, right? How we do the things that we like to do. Um, and the other things that, that uh, start to decline as we get older is harder to retain new information, harder to learn new things. Okay, so the difference in, in dementia and mild cognitive impairment is in mild cognitive impairment, you do have the memory loss, some of the memory loss, but it starts to affect, it becomes more severe and it starts to affect how we live our daily lives. In other words, we can't drive anymore. We forget our keys in the freezer. We um, can't balance our checkbooks anymore. So that's when it becomes an actual disorder versus something that's just a normal aging process. Okay, so it's okay to forget things, but when you start to have family members uh, remind you that you forgot that, then it becomes an issue. That's when we start to give it an actual diagnosis and a disease. It becomes a disease at that point. Now, say really normal just, aging. Hang on mm -hmm. just a minute. I just want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Bari, and we're talking on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline with Dr. Cynthia Ayala. You find her in Houston, Texas, and we're talking about a topic that uh, she spends a lot of time talking about with patients, and that is mild cognitive disorder, dementia, and where that leads. And one of the things we talked about off the air, Cynthia, is when you have patients sitting there in the exam room, uh, and, and maybe their spouse or their caregiver or, or mother, daughter are in the room together, uh, how do you explain to them how you would diagnose what a mild cognitive disorder versus dementia might be? What is the what are the things you say to them? So uh, them and their families, because usually they come in with the families. We hope so. Um, so basically, what we're saying is, when you have a you know, I like to talk about what normal aging is, and like I mentioned a little earlier, I like to describe to them, you know, what we all do as we get older, and and how it differs from mild cognitive impairment. It's a little more difficult when it depends on how how impaired the patient is when they come to see you, right? So if they are pretty mild, um, they may come in themselves and say, I'm forgetting my keys. But if they come in with a family member, the family member may be the one saying, mom really can't even use the bathroom by herself anymore. Or So it kind of depends on what stage you're in when we actually, when we actually start to uh, do testing and to diagnose them. So um, I like to just really talk about, you know, the big gray area, which is mild cognitive impairment, which is um, uh, kind of like the bridge between normal aging and, and full-blown dementia. And the reason why this is important is because, uh, you know, we can, we, there are a lot of things, a lot of modifiable risk factors that we can talk about with these patients if, if we catch them at an early stage. So we talk about things like uh, when we're trying to diagnose them, we ask questions about obviously their memory. So a lot of the testing that we do quickly in an office setting um, are, are mental status exams. 
that really mostly test their memory. Some We do some other executive cognitive testing, but it's mostly how quickly can we diagnose how, how impaired they are. We got like 10 minutes in the office because we have, you know, 20 patients waiting. So how quickly can we determine how impaired they are? And sometimes you have to, um, you know, determine can they even walk out of, the, can they drive home from my office? Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll get a patient that looks very normal and doesn't look impaired, but when you do some of this testing, you can get a really good idea of how impaired they are uh, with just a couple of questions and some testing that we do. I'll tell you a funny uh, so, story. A, a friend of mine uh -huh. who, who is a, a primary care physician treating a couple uh, where she had uh, uh, really more than just mild cognitive impairment, uh, and the husband mm -hmm. used to drive her mm -hmm. uh, to her appointments, and one day she showed up alone which uh, really concerned the physician. And, and he said to her, how were you able to drive here? And she said, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, they have these bumps on the street. And as long as you keep your tires on those bumps, you can stay in the right direction. <laughs> he immediately That's called. pretty. Wow, a true story. It's and, scary. And, and you made me think of that. Have you had a patient uh, where you've said, this person should not leave here on their own? Yeah, a while ago I did. We had to call the family and uh, we, we took away the keys um, because they were pretty impaired. I don't know how, it's almost analogous to driving drunk, you know, having a drunk driver on the road. Um, and what ha and, and on, to your point, um, what's really interesting, can you hear me? I'm not sure if he's Yeah, I hear you fine. You are? Okay. So to your point, you know, um, what, what you'll find, and the reason why it's really difficult to, to, to diagnose mild cognitive impairment is you'll have someone that, you know, that person may be driving a certain way for 10 years, and you say, how did you get here? Well, memory. You know, a lot of times these people can remember how to get where they're getting. They know the stop sign. They know the, the, you know, the bagel shop on the corner. So it appears that their impairment is not so bad because they got to you, okay? But if, you, but if for some reason that street is closed now and there's a detour, they will get lost. They can't reason. They can't cope with that change. And that's yes. one of the things that we use in examining these patients is how well can they cope. So that's why it's not enough to just say, how's your memory? It's, okay, let's change the situation. Can you deal with this? Can you answer this question this way? So, um, so you'll have someone that comes to your office and they seem pretty clear and you, they got there. Okay. But if you, if you do something a little different, they, it may change the whole outlook. It may change how you look at that patient. Audrey, when Dr. Cynthia Ayala mentioned executive function, uh, explain to our listeners, what does that mean? Because that's what I hear her saying when it comes to somebody driving, uh, using memory to get there and then things change. Right. So another example of executive function would be, can you do, can you balance your checkbook? Can you right. manage your money can, and your finances mm -hmm. and where you need higher thinking powers? Are you cognitively able to read a document that is a legal document that you need to put your signature on? All of those things mm -hmm. would be part of executive functioning. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll pay you that. And I'll you know, when they show up at your office, uh, physicians like yourself often tell me they're on their best behavior. They look better, they right. sleep better, they seem high functioning, but maybe it's an act. Yes. 
Sure. And that's why it is. And that's why, um, you know, I see patients at home. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I really got interested in this topic because I see them at home. And so right, now hold that. We're going like, to come, right, like, we're gonna come right back to you. Uh, we need to take just a little break. But that's very interesting. I want you to share with us what happens when you walk into that home. I'm Ron Aaron. This is Two Docs in a Pod talking with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barry, and our very special guest, Dr. Cynthia Ayala. And we thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. We thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Andre Barria, and we're talking with Dr. Cynthia Ayala. Dr. Ayala is in Houston, a physician at the WellMed Network of Texas, talking about cognitive impairment and, and how she's able to diagnose that and treat that in patients. And a moment ago, you mentioned something that's very interesting. You do house calls, and when you walk into a home, what are you looking for? And what does it tell you about that patient? Yeah, like we were saying, Audrey was saying that, you know, patients, when they come into the office, they're on their best behavior, they're neat, they're clean, they're dressed. A lot of times that they get help from the family. Um, but when I walk into the home, um, you know, you could see the disarray. You could see, you know, uh, some patients don't bathe. Uh, they don't eat, or uh, you'll find they're hoarders. They're hoarders. You'll find stuff in the refrigerator that shouldn't be. Like you'll find a remote control in the refrigerator. Uh, it, just a lot of inappropriate uh, living conditions. Okay, um, uh, they may have ten cats. They may. I mean, there are a lot of different things that go along with some, you know, just showing some decline, you know, different, op you, you have different opportunities to see it when you come into the house. Uh, you get to see uh, who lives there, you know, who can help this patient, um, who's not helping the patient. Um, so it's, a, you get to see medications. Are they taking their medicines that you've been giving them? Are they forgetting their medicines? You know, you, you may see a med box that's full of medications uh, that they are forgetting to take. And a um, lot of expired medications, potentially. Yes. Uh, a lot of over-the-counter yeah. medications that they've just been holding on to that expired five mm -hmm. years ago, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's important, too, when we're looking at, you know, it's, it's really easy when, the, like I said earlier, when a patient has, like, moderate to severe dementia, because you could see it very, it's very clear, right? But if you walk into a patient's house and you're thinking, you know, I've been seeing this guy for a couple of years and I'm starting to notice these changes that are very mild, but you always have to think of those things. But, but going back to the medication, you know, some of these medications can, call, or can cause pseudo dementia. These are not really patients that have 
dementia, but they have other medical conditions that may make them appear that they have a, a, a cognitive impairment. So looking at those medications are really important. You know, are they not taking their thyroid medicine and now they're so hypothyroid that their uh, cognition is impaired? So that is a really important uh, topic too. That's another thing that we look at when we're walking into a patient's home is, you know, are they not taking the medications for their other medical conditions that can cause impairment? When you see that and, and you address those issues uh, with that patient and, and ideally uh, with a loved one or, or a, a caregiver, what are your next steps to try to get help for that person? So one thing that we do is we, we do some testing. Um, uh, when, we, when we start to see that there's some impairment, you know, Medicare does, and Audrey can speak to this too, Medicare um, uh, allows us to do what they called uh, kind of like an, an annual wellness tests and these we do a lot of screening tests during this time and one of them is to do some of these some of these little you know five to ten minute screening tools that we have to determine at what level this this memory loss is and so at that point I'd probably do a test you know I'd probably you know say okay let's look at where this impairment is uh, and you do other things like you do blood work, you make sure they don't have a urinary tract infection. You kind of look at all the medical stuff that could be reversible. And then you also would perform some of these tests, uh, like a clock draw test or um, kind of just small memory tests that you can do. Um, uh, there are a bunch of different ones and I can go into them, but, but we, we would do something like that because you have some time to do that. And also when I see patients at home, um, I'm a, I'm a, I, I don't see as many patients as you would like in an office setting. So I have more time, you know, these, these types of patients take a lot of time because you're looking at so many different factors. You're not just looking at, you know, a medication refill. You're looking at all of their psychosocial issues. You're looking at their home environment. Um, and then you're also looking to test some of their memory skills and some of their cognitive skills. So it's a really quick test. And then if these tests are abnormal, then you would definitely do further testing. And then you go into the more, you know, uh, the more the testing that looks at more executive functions. And those take about 30 minutes. Um, and then if those are abnormal, then we do even more testing, you know, MRIs and other blood tests, and it gets really complicated. Um, but the, what, what we find with, with these patients, the more testing that you do and the more difficult the testing are, um, the more precise diagnosis you can get, especially for patients that have mild cognitive impairment. Okay, you really can get to the nitty gritty of where that impairment is and what that diagnosis can be. And if you know that, are there measures you can take to help them and, and reduce uh, the progress of that impairment? That's a good question. That's the hard part. You know, a lot of times people don't want to know, right? Because what can you do about it? There's not a lot of good evidence on. Uh, uh, with you know, we don't have a lot of good medication. Uh, that there's no cure, you know. So yeah, there are risk factors, you know, uh, the stuff that we know about, you know. Uh, uh, if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, if you're a smoker, if you're obese, um, if you even have a lower level of education, those are risk factors, you know. Some of them are modifiable, you know. We, we can we can control our blood sugar. We can control our diabetes, we can control our smoking, 
Uh, but some aren't. Some of them are genetic, you know. So if you have someone that comes in with, with memory loss at a younger age, that tends to be more uh, genetic. So there's not much you can do for that. So, But it's good to know the testing early, right? It's good to know early on so you can at least try to modify the things that you can modify, right? So if you have a genetic predisposition, you'd want to make sure that all the other things that can give you a higher risk are, you could modify those as much as you can. Um, uh, One of the things that I've done for my patients is that let's mm -hmm. say all the testing comes back negative, you know, they didn't score, and, but they're very worried because they now have it in their head that I've started to forget things. I don't want this to get worse. Mm -hmm. So then they come in and ask you, but mm -hmm. doc, what can I do? I don't want this to get worse. So one of the things that I've started telling them is like Sudoku puzzles or crossword puzzles, or right. word finding right. puzzles. Um, anything that's reading, anything that's going to keep their brain engaged where they have to constantly use their higher functioning powers is something that's mm -hmm. going to be good for them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, pe and, and, and people are doing that already. You know, like a lot, there are so many, uh, you know, games and a lot mm -hmm. of things available. Um, and I was in, in preparing for the talk, I started to look at that. A lot of that, a lot of that stuff has not been proven to be that helpful, but I still don't tell people that I still say, Hey, do them, do them because they're, you know, it increases socialization. So like we said, to read a book, not only read a book, okay, so what you're, what you're telling people is when they looked at these, they studied all these things that people do, right, and all these uh, apps that you can buy, they said it's not enough to just read a book, but you have to do, the way it works is you have to really stretch your mind, you know, don't just read that book, but read a book and maybe join a book study, you know, read yeah. the book and ask questions, get into a, a study group around the book so that you're increasing socialization. A you're a book club, right? So I see I have my mom called me, I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> so, you know, join the book club because it increases socialization. Um, and then you're really expanding your knowledge of what you are reading. Okay. So it's, it's even more than that. Um, puzzles are good. Uh, just really, you know, it's hard to have people uh, to encourage these patients to challenge their brains because they feel like, oh, I'm too old. I won't be, I'm not going to remember. So just, you know, you have to really be, you have to really be um, cognizant of that, you know, and also socialization is real important. They found, they had did studies that, you know, a, ma a major risk factor is uh, our patients that are not social, that they're socially isolated. Um, have a really uh, much higher risk. I think it's like 50% or something like that risk of developing dementia. And we found it during COVID actually. Um, and I'm sure now that it's now that we're post COVID sort of, we're going to find a lot more studies in the next couple of mm -hmm. years that looked at, cause I, you know, I go to see patients at home. So I noticed a change in their dementia, in their dementia, in their cognitive impairment, in their depression because they were not able to socialize anymore. They were not able to go play bingo with their friends on Tuesday afternoons or go do, you know, happy hour. Those were their times to socialize and the depression and the social isolation really impacted their, their impairment. And, you know, and it gets to a point where some of that is not reversible, unfortunately. Right. You know, once you've gotten to a level of impairment, 
what happens as you get older, you, you know, those brain cells don't come back. And so they, those brain cells die. And as you get older, they just keep dying, unfortunately. Let me ask you this. So we've got about it's a, pretty we've sad. Got, we've got about a minute left, and I, I don't want to miss this last opportunity uh, to ask you. If you're noticing problems or in yourself or, or in a loved one, first place to go would be your primary care physician, right? Yes. Yes, because a primary care doctor can do a lot of things that can determine whether this is something reversible. So the first thing you want to make sure is that, is this something that I can take care of? Is, is this something I really have to worry about? And not only that, but they can do a lot of, like, like we've talked about earlier, there are a lot of things they can do that will help to determine uh, where this is and, and how, how serious it is and whether more testing would need to be done. And then if they needed more testing, you would send someone to uh, a neurologist. And then you would also do, you could do an MRI. There's a whole battery of tests that you would do to determine where this is at and how serious it is. Right. Um, and if it's something else. Of course, you always want to do what they call a differential diagnosis. So could it be something else? Let's look and see what it is. Okay. So it's, it's a lot of times it's just a diagnosis really of exclusion, right? Like, you know, you've got to you right get there. rid of everything else. I, I hate to cut you off, but we are out of time. Really enjoyed talking oh. with you, Dr. Cynthia Ayala. Thank you so much. And to our co-host, Dr. Thank Andre you. Baria, thank you so much. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again nice soon you. right here on Two Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron. Thank you.